0: We'll get there, man. We'll get there. It's windy. People have allergies. I get it. It's 10 30 in the morning. You're still not awake. I get it. Oh, my goodness. How many of you are having a huge problem with this wind? Okay? A- anybody suffering from like the allergies from it? This morning, I, I-, I was driving to a-, a place for medication. Grande mocha and uh in the road were like these three palm branches and if you know what palm branches they got like thorns all over them and there's a car right next to me i couldn't avoid them they just blew you know right into the pathway i'm like run flats run flats run flats go and and i'm hoping when i walk out that my car still all the tires are inflated and uh but you know there when the wind is this bad your hair looks really good everybody (laughs) just want to let you know yeah especially john especially Scott you guys looking fabulous marvelous Gary I don't even know why you wore a hat today why'd you wear a hat Gary um but you know for those of you that are struggling a little bit with the allergies raise your hand again like this wind's just killing your allergies does anybody have a recommendation for these folks (laughs) (laughs) thanks Chuck I wonder what the over-under is from your pharmaceutical days on survival. Oh my gosh. I'm talking more medication. Does anybody have a recommendation on, uh, on allergy medicine? Claritin. Claritin. Anybody a Claritin fan in the room? Apparently one. Okay. Uh, 1.5. One over here. Okay. Any, anybody else? Allergies? Flonase Zyrtec. Zyrtec. Anybody do those neti pots? All right. We want to video you. And we're going to show that. (laughs) I don't even want to to talk about that. Last week, the title of the sermon was All Infected. And Paul showed us the dirty underbelly of the Philippian church. There was a dispute. There was a personal dispute between two gals, Iodia and Syntyche. And what's fascinating is we talked about you know, the coronavirus and everybody, you know, we're even canceling flights. You can't fly into China. You can't fly out of China. It's this huge thing. And yet, tens of thousands of people have died from the flu. Right? And so in the church, in our own spiritual lives, sometimes that's what happens for us. Is it, there's the hottest, there's the newest, there's the scariest, over-magnified thing... Which is important. But sometimes we lose track of the thing that's actually killing us the most. Right? And doctrine is important. It is paramount. Don't get me wrong. But brothers and sisters, much of what Jesus preached connected to doctrine has everything to do with loving one another and treating one another as Christ treats others. Right? And so, so much of the time, the church gives itself a pass. Right? The church gives itself a pass on the flu. Let's just focus on these these mainstream, challenging, cultural issues. When our own house, everybody realizes the ugliness of what's going on, and we're not treating it. So last week, really, where I wanted you to go, and where I wanted myself to go, is... Running the question by ourselves about the conviction to go to the doctor. Remember that? The many of us, will go weeks, sometimes a month before we finally go to the doctor. And most of us sane people, we have good rationale behind that because we're strong enough to kick it on our own. God made this body. He made it to, to manage those things. And so I'm just going to push through it. How many of you are like that? How many of you are just simply like, I ain't paying the doctor that much money. That's ridiculous. Okay, right? And so, so much of the time, we just allow illness. So much of the time, we allow spiritual illness. Don't worry, it wasn't a child. We have a trash can sitting out there. Everybody should be all right. So, the big challenge in that was to examine and see that the church so often forgets what its ugliest problems are its most infectious illnesses are and we gloss over it the big challenge for you and i over the past week was to ask ourselves are we willing to go to the doctor are we really willing because we can give you the anecdote paul does that here in these next few verses that's where we are today we can use the anecdote, or we can be given the anecdote but if we don't have the conviction to actually do something about the illness, the antidote does nothing. Does that make sense? So that's what we asked you to wrestle with last week. This week, we're going to give you the antidote. So how many of you, when asked, how are you? You you may have been asked, how are you, four or five times. I asked at least 15 people already this morning. How are you? And I was expecting to at least get the title of the sermon one time, I got it at least six, seven times, maybe not this way. So there's our infection and prevention control. We're still kind of on this, but it's all good, right? Not too many of you answer that way. Uh, I, I love the guy that does our landscaping, Chris Carpert. Anytime I ask him, hey, Chris, how's it going? He goes, living the dream. I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> I mean, there can be nightmares, there can be good dreams. I, just living the dream just and it's just a standard thing it comes off his mouth so fast he you know that's like avoidance therapy right just there's nothing to see here move on i'm living the dream okay but maybe the same quote is it's all good it's all good what was beautiful about this morning when i asked people how they're doing they asked me back how are you pastor and maybe you saw me wrestle with it for just a moment right just wrestle with it. do a spiritual intake and say okay am i am i really feeling okay right and somebody heard me coughing back there and they're they're instantly oh you've got it don't you <laughs> right and, and yet spiritually i wonder how often god looks at his church and says oh you've got it you've got it this morning's about getting rid of it this morning is about the idea of really being able to say it's all good when things aren't that good. Alright? So, it's all good. I like the little smiley face there with the two eyes. It's kind of, so that's why that made it up there. Then, you know, my, my man Denzel, you can just hear him say, it's all good. It's all good, right? So, you know, I, I like that. Then for you people that are into Magnolia, you know, and what's that gal's name? Yeah, Joanna Gaines. You Joanna Gaines people, I thought I'd throw something up for you, right? This would be in Joanna Gaines' house. Uh, This is my favorite one. There you go. (laughs) It's all good in my hood. Fred Rogers, right? And he always made you feel that way. Can you remember an episode where you thought, oh, I wonder if he's got a little something, you know, he's kind of down today. No, he he always, and there was a genuineness to that. We'll talk about the problematic challenge of this antidote as we get into it this morning. That, you know, sometimes it's not all good, right? So, Pastor, are you telling me to act like it's good when it's not good? You know, there's some real meat, right? And we'll have a chance to respond to this. I love this idea right here. Right? You make all things work together for our good. But that's a hard statement to swallow and live by sometimes. So we're going to break that down so you can have a deeper understanding of how to say that in all circumstances, as Paul says. We're getting there. We're going to front load it this morning. You're going to taste You're going to do this into the pot of stew of biblical accuracy. Let's break this down. This morning, turn with me to Philippians 4. And uh, I was overzealous. I thought I'd get uh, (laughs) up to 10. And as I studied and I did more study, I'm like, no, 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 no. There's so much here. There's so much depth. There's so much good stuff that we just got to take it bit by bit. So... We're going to go through verse 7 this morning. I'm reading from the ESV. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So the challenge this morning is many of us know this Scripture. Many of us understand this Scripture and what's going on with the Scripture. Or so we think. We've heard this Scripture most of our church life. But have we embraced it? Do we know how to exercise it? Every morning you should know how to use your toothbrush. And if you care about other people, you'll use your toothbrush. Right? I sat in the dentist chair this past week. Use your toothbrush. That's all I have to say about that. Let's break this down. I love alliteration. If you're, if you're new here, I love alliteration. So let's start with the first part this morning. Number one, my attitude. Verse 4. It says, and thank you, Joe, for for getting us onto this idea of rejoicing this morning. Right? And so, Paul does something very unique, very interesting here. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. This is one of the most redundant verses in all of Scripture. Why did you just repeat yourself? Because what you're talking about, you have emphasized already, Paul. Rejoice what? always always you shouldn't have to repeat that should you and yet paul does paul does why because we have a natural tendency to want to live with our illnesses and we have a natural tendency to make excuses as to why not to rejoice finish this statement for me because it's pervasive in our society it's okay not to be right now There is some wisdom in that, but does that not work with what Paul is saying? Rejoice some of the time. Rejoice when it's easy for you. Rejoice when it's convenient. Rejoice when you have no problems. Sign me up. I'm good. But Paul is saying rejoice always. This is part of your anecdote. You want to be able to treat the illness of spiritual uh, starvation... Uh, spiritual um, deprivation, then rejoice always. How do we do that? Well, think about what we've already heard. Rejoicing. Chapter 2 of Philippians gives us this insight into who Jesus Christ is. And as Paul starts to talk through all of these aspects of who Christ is, He says what? Your attitude should be this. look. Well, I'll I'll give you the Scripture here in a minute. In Hebrews, the writer says about Christ going to the cross and suffering, he describes it as for the joy set before Him. Whatever your problem is, whatever my insurmountable wound is, what I try to do in those moments is remember this passage out of Hebrews. Hebrews 12. Because it says that Jesus, even though we know He suffered, He cried out in the garden. He asked that the Lord would take this from Him if there was any way. Right? Reality. And yet, Jesus saw it as joy to go and suffer on the cross. Maybe we have a wrong understanding of what we mean by joy. Right? The ability to proclaim that which is good and for it to have an awakening effect within us. Have you ever been stuck in the doldrums? Have people ever told you, when we're talking about my attitude, have people ever told me, you know, you need an attitude check. You know, hey, why don't you just start the day over? Have you ever had anybody tell you to start the day over? Have you ever told anybody to start the day over? Right? So with my attitude, I've got to start with what Paul is giving as an anecdote for my spiritual deprivation. Rejoice always. Again, I say rejoice. Let me give you three ideas here. Find it. Find your joy. If you're dragging spiritually, if you're dragging emotionally, mentally, find your joy. Where is the first place we can look to find our joy? Uh, Scripture? Did you say Bible study? To the following? To the the Father. To the Father. That was the best answer of the entire day. What's your name, young lady? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what's going on. So, you need to find it. Secondly, you need to feel it. It's one thing to proclaim it. That's where this statement, it's okay not to be okay, comes into play. It's one thing to say, yeah, yay, I'm happy. (laughs) What are you talking about? I'm great. I hope you're doing great too. (laughs) Anybody buying that? If you're going to feel it, you have to find it first. Does that make sense? Otherwise, it's just contrived. The Lord doesn't want contrived rejoicing. Force it. Oh, wait now, pastor, there's nothing authentic about this. That You're, you're asking us to be hypocritical in here. No. Uh, my point in this is very simple. Our natural self wants to dive into what? The ugliness. And our natural self wants to sit in that ugliness. Right? This is what I mean by force it. Practice it. Practice it. One of our our young people offered me a donut this morning saying the best donuts are now out. You need to go get one. (laughs) Who was I to deny this angel? It was an epiphany. But no, I had to force myself to say, if I want these pants to still fit. No, I didn't tell them that part. If I want these pants to still fit, I'm not gonna go eat that best donut that you just informed me got put out there. Do you understand what I mean by force it? You gotta build a discipline of rejoicing into your life. Ask people about your attitude. <laughs> I'm going to put a little caveat in this. Don't don't do that with your spouse. (laughs) That might have been a self-serving comment. Be careful about doing this with your spouse. But have the courage, if you truly want the anecdote, for spiritual deprivation, have the courage to ask people around you, hey, how's my attitude? Do you see Christ in me? Do you see Christ in me? That's a tough question. Not a denial, it's just a weapon against the thief, right? That many of us have suffered wounds, and recently suffered wounds, and in some of my counseling over the past two weeks, part of what I've said is, you don't forget about that wound, you don't forget about the ramifications, or the history, or the value maybe of that wound, but you certainly do not let it keep stealing away from you. That is your choice. Paul is saying, you want to keep the enemy from stealing your joy away. Rejoice always, and when you think you did it, do it again. Right? We're not talking about wishing away our problems. We're not talking about pretending difficulties aren't there. Hopefully by the end of today's sermon, you get to a point where you understand that that there is a beauty in being able to say for the joy set before Christ, He endured the cross. There's a mystery there. There's a secret. There's power there. There's life change there. Every point I want to end with this idea of because of Jesus, I can do this. Right? So because of Jesus, I can always find a reason to rejoice. Give me any, well, we're going to do this now. We're going to have a response time in, in, a, in about an hour and a half when I'm done preaching. Um, I don't know why you laugh every time I say that. Um, but we're going to forget, so I'm going to give you the chance to answer this one right now. How do you do this? Because of Jesus, I can always find a reason to rejoice. How? how does that work it's one thing for me to say it it's another thing to line up a group of people to do an infomercial on tv where they're real customers right the public even knows that yes there's an there's a a value to the testimony of the expert there's also a great value to those ladies on saturday morning tv who have zero wrinkles at age 83 right of course Everything in the room, including them, is blurry, but, you know, they're selling, selling product. So help sell the product, folks. How does this work? Well, I'm reminded that whatever my suffering is is temporary. And when I'm with him, I won't have the chance to go and... I wish I did, you know, I'll i would say if, if I was apart from you, you'd see I, I have had faith in you. But oh, I have done that and I had an experience later that I wouldn't have had if I weren't able to go through those things with <clears throat> you. That's but fantastic. Experience. That's fantastic, John. Angels do not have that. Yeah. Yeah. We're in a very unique time, and and what's interesting is that's it wrapped up into point three, so we'll circle back around to your response. We're in a very unique time that you have to operate by faith. You and I have to operate by faith. When we are in heaven, there's no more faith. So you have this unique window of proving grounds where we can exalt, we can do things we will never be able to do in heaven. And it requires interaction with Him. So when I'm suffering, when I'm spiritually sick from something, and He interacts because I remember my Lord, my God, because of Jesus, and I'm able to rejoice supernaturally because of Him in the midst of needing and requiring faith, and I will never, oddly enough, require that in heaven. Anybody got the shivers? Thank you, John. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made Himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness to think through suffering of what God inserted Himself into. And yet, the writer of Hebrews describes it as joy? Because of Jesus. We can rejoice always. That doesn't mean that the pain isn't there. Are we clear? But there's a big difference between just living in pain and being alone in that and having the Lord help you walk through it to the point where you can authentically rejoice in the midst of pain. Let's go to the second point today. What is it? My aptitude. Anybody take an aptitude test? (laughs) you're not admitting it okay okay one person admitted that that i'm not going to ask what your score was and and uh but um you know every day is an aptitude test have you ever congratulated yourself at the end of the day when you lay down at night and say wow look at what you had the aptitude to accomplish today there's just one way to rejoice right Usually we get in bed and we're so exhausted and all we're thinking about is what? What didn't get done. Yeah. (laughs) That's exactly how we feel. Thank you, Zion. Prophetic word. But we think about what we didn't get done. We think about the horrible conversations. We think about the tension in our life. And that's what lays on our head when we go to rest. Can I encourage you? to Start thinking about other things. The aptitude that we have to change the spiritual illness. You have the Scriptures, do you not? You have the Holy Spirit, do you not? You have prayer, do you not? You have the um, collective encouragement of the saints, do you not? You have the remembrance and the pattern of Jesus Christ and the life that He walked. You have the promises of God, do you not? Reasonableness. Wow, Did you see that word in there? So look. he says, "Let your ESB says reasonableness." Uh, some say gentleness." You have that in your? Anybody have that? Yeah. Here's what's interesting in my study. The word here, the Greek word, actually, experts in Greek say this is one of the most conflating words in all of the New Testament. Because there really is no good English word. And as I was reading through one commentary, they had no less than 15 to 18 synonyms from the English language to help us understand the fullness of what Paul is saying here. Let me try to translate that for you. It is the opposite of self-love. Alright? It is the opposite of of self-love it is the opposite of self-esteem it is the opposite of self-gratification now think about this you go to the doctor and the doctor says well what have you been doing you're like well i've been running into a wall at 30 miles an hour just for fun and the doctor says well stop doing that right that's kind of what paul is saying remember he's still addressing this this debilitating sin that that church is going through between these two women and how it's becoming a hallmark Of their church. And so he's saying, let your reasonableness be known to who? Just a few. To me. To Jesus. To all. Let this be known as the characteristic of your church rather than what you're currently known for. What does that mean? You cannot practice this word if I'm walking around trying to serve myself trying to take care of myself, worried about myself, does that sound like a catfight between two women named Iodia and Sintiki? Now Paul's masterful here. He's going back and he's and he's addressing, by the way, that's conjecture, but just think through it. Okay? If you think through this idea of reasonableness, it means gentleness, it means Sacrifice, it means kindness, it it means um, credibility, it means wisdom, it means discernment. There's so many different words from our English language that fit into this. When he's talking about this idea, it is the opposite of what was happening in this fight between these two gals. So Paul is giving us an anecdote antidote I'm gonna do it four five six more times and I'll go to the doctor for it so Paul's giving an antidote here but what's fascinating is it requires a focus elsewhere if we are to be reasonable in the eyes of Jesus Christ as the church it requires that we stop focusing on our own agenda our own justice and it requires that we focus where? It can be, in some senses, others. But I think it means focusing on Jesus Christ. And the reason is this. Paul follows it up by a qualifier. So focus on others, Iodian and by letting their reasonableness be known They need to not focus on themselves, but focus on others. But do so because of Jesus. Do so because of Jesus. He has this statement, the Lord is at hand, or the Lord is near. Now some may read that because Jesus is in your heart. You represent Jesus Christ. If you were reading that, you could come to that conclusion, right? I would too. That's not what Paul's saying. The idea here... The Lord is at hand is that Paul was always remembering that he had, and here it is, John, limited time. What are you doing with the time Jesus has given you? Are you allowing, are you giving permission for spiritual disease to reside within you? Or are you saying, I don't have enough time to do that? Because I remember that the Lord is coming back. I remember that Scripture says there will be an accounting for the time the Lord gave me here to partner with Him to to the building of His Kingdom. Amen? That I remember that the Lord is near one way or the other. Either He's coming back sooner than I anticipate, and then the show is over, or I'm going to Him and the show is over. And the better show is about to begin. But the reality is this, we give ourselves permission to be (laughs) upset with people. Because they're wrong, aren't they? Do you remember Philippians 2 where Paul says, Jesus made Himself a what? A servant. Made Himself a servant. The enemy knows how to work me. The enemy knows that if he can just get someone to say something That it plants a seed. There's an inception of of anger that starts to come into my life as a seed and it starts to root up if I don't address it first in my mind, then in my heart. According to Christ. And it grows and it grows and eventually I no longer want to be around a person or talk to a person and that's the way we can peaceably handle this. That is not what Christ wants from us that is not a spiritually mature approach and in fact the enemy wins when we make those choices he destroys and separates the church just because carl over here loves dream theater and i can't stand him and i think stephen haas is a much better drummer and now i'm really offended and he cracked a wise joke. What is a wise joke? That, I, <laughs> no, I won't tell you what was going through my mind. Actually, the spirit held back how I was going to talk because he's from New York. And so anyway, you can imagine how that was going to roll out. Um, he cracks a joke about Neil Pert. You don't joke about Neil Pert, Okay? And so now I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Now watch, right? I'm like, uh-huh, yeah, Carl, that's funny, yeah. Then later that afternoon, she and I are sitting around the lunch table, eating quinoa. <laughs> this is a fantasy. And I'm like, what, "What? I saw you and Carl talking. You just attitude check. You don't seem right." I said, "Yeah, I'm kind of done with Carl. I'm kind of done with Carl, man. You have no idea what that, that guy doesn't even know what he's talking about, and." and How can he say those things to me knowing how much I'm a fan of Neil Peart? Talking about insensitive. I I, I don't need that. I don't need that pressure. It'll just be easier if I just smile and nod. Is that relationship where it's supposed to be according to Christ? But the enemy knows how to get to it. The enemy knows how to get to us. I have the aptitude to beat that attack down. Amen? Because if I get my eyes focused on Jesus Christ, if I get my heart focused on others, if I think about the fact that the Lord is near and I'm going to give account for that, if I truly love the church more than I love myself, I have the aptitude to not let the enemy steal, kill, and destroy. Amen? All right. Are you worn out yet? There's a lot there, right? How many of you already feel spiritually healed? All right. well, we're getting... Keep going. So Paul says this, right, about aptitude. He says, I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned what? The secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And here it is. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Because of Jesus, I have the what? Aptitude. I have the aptitude to get spiritually healthy. Next. My axitude. No, I didn't say that right, because I want you to really focus. My anxitude. Do you know you have an anxitude? This is the only thing you're going to remember about this entire sermon. You have an anxitude, folks. How many of you in the room have small children? Raise your hand. How many of you were anxious trying to get them prepared and in the car and loaded up and looking somewhat decent to get to church this morning? Yeah, yeah, you're not raising your hands, are you? How many of you were anxious just getting yourself out of bed and cleaned up and to church today? How many of you were anxious that you were going to have to clap during a song today? We get anxious about the silliest things. It's inbred into us. And the enemy knows it. And this is why Jesus spoke to this over and over and over. Do you want to be healed? Do you want the antidote towards spiritual disease? you got to look at your anxiety issue and Paul tackles it right away. Look at verse 6. He says what? He says, do not be anxious about anything. Okay, great. Let's move on. Got that one, Paul. That's great. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So, be anxious for nothing? Come on, some of you were anxious around 2.30. No, around 5 o'clock last Sunday. Some of you were very anxious. Some of you had to go to the ER around 7 (laughs) o'clock. I'm so sorry. I was asleep for most of the game. (laughs) Carl and Alan will attest to that. But I did wake up just enough time to watch the debacle of the fourth quarter. Um, It was like NASCAR, not football. It was just, you know, you're there to watch the crash and burns. well, there's always next year, folks. Welcome to my world, being a Chargers fan. <laughs> all right? So, thinking about this anxiety. think about how the enemy uses that to destroy the church and to make the church spiritually sick all the time. All the time. The <laughs> mental health challenges of our society are huge. I was talking with a friend of mine this past week that her daughter was just having so many issues and she has no trauma in her life. Her family is... there's challenges, but there's been no trauma. And yet, she stopped talking. As a 17-year-old, as a she just stopped talking because she couldn't cope. So now, through therapy, She's been given what has been termed bans. This idea of staying off your phone. You are banned from your phone during certain parts of the day for certain durations of the day. Why? If you're cruising around on Instagram, if you're cruising around on any of the news channels, If if you're cruising around on any social media, you are simply adding more anxiety to your life. Over and over and over. We're doing it to ourselves. I have enough anxiety just hoping my car starts in the morning. And that there's not a cat underneath the hood. Actually, anyway, I'll move on. How is my anxietude? Be anxious about nothing. Well, how? (laughs) How do we do this? Trusting Jesus. Trusting Jesus. And see, this is what really explodes your faith, brothers and sisters. Is this real? Does this really work? If you walk away today just focusing on this one point and practicing it, taking this medication, you will see it works. You can't take something you're supposed to take four times a day once every two days and expect it to work, right? Isn't that how medication works? Same thing in our spiritual health. So trusting Jesus, Job says what to his wife? When his whole world falls apart, he says, shall we receive good from God and shall we not receive evil? How many of you struggle with this quote? That it looks like God is giving the evil? Uh, This is a bunny trail, but... My theological sense is a shepherd over you. Clarify this. He didn't say God brought the evil. That's not how the language reads. Job had a very realistic understanding of the world around him. Therefore, even though he was suffering and we weren't there, we would have to ask Job, hey Job, how's your anxiety level? Right? But this statement, his wife had anxiety. It was through the roof curse god and die you idiot yeah hey wife of the year let's make her a deaconess right and his response back to her was shall we receive good from god and not evil job understood how the world works he understood that god is the giver of good things right but he also understood in the midst of receiving those good things there is still evil all around. So the question is, what am I going to focus on? If I'm going to focus on the evil that's all around me, which is a reality, Job says, then my anxietude is going to be bad. If I understand that God is good, God is greater, and I might still suffer some, but God will carry me through it, my anxiety starts to go away. By the way, we all know this, right? We all know that what's worse is the days leading up to something we're anxious about than the actual event that we're anxious about. We do it to ourselves. Really, the idea here, folks, is trusting Jesus. And let me give you an illustration to this. Have you ever heard about somebody sick with worry? We need the big picture here. We need to trust in Jesus. A realistic understanding of life. Right? Well, because of Jesus, we can remember who's in the back of the boat. Because of Jesus, we can remember who is in the back of the boat. Anybody want to take a guess at what I'm talking about? There were a few guys out on a boat on the Lake of Galilee that were scared to death, and I would say their anxietude was through the roof. Yes, Julius, who do you think we're talking about? Yes, that could be a big part of it, getting seasick. (laughs) So the disciples are convinced they're going to die, but Jesus is in the back of the boat. Is it reasonable that they think they're going to die? Yes. Did they have a proper understanding of who's in the back of the boat? No. You and I have the luxury, brothers and sisters, to know how that story finished. You and I, brothers and sisters, have the luxury of seeing Jesus and remembering how Jesus has done the miraculous in our own lives. Amen? Amen. That does not guarantee that there will not be waves. Amen? Perfect transition to the last point. So check your anxitude. Right? Scripture for that is this. Matthew 6, 25-26. By the way, it goes further than this. It goes all the way to verse 31. So write that down. And put this in your your bivy of of, uh, spiritual health meds. Alright? But just the, the two verses, Jesus says this, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink. Well, Julius, I should just go eat that donut then, shouldn't I? Yeah. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns and yet your heavenly Father feeds them, are you not of more value than they? That's part of our problems, brothers and sisters, is we get so sucked down into the tunnel of anxiety that we can't see the clear picture. We're not looking at the end of the story. We're not remembering who Jesus is and what He has promised us. And that leads us to the end today. This idea of amplitude. Verses 6-7. through Let's look at that. <clears throat> I've already said it, but I want to I repeat it for us today. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything... By, and so here's your true health serum. Right? Because Paul connects this thought. It's an if-then thought. Don't be anxious about anything. Okay, then what do I do to keep from doing that? Here he goes. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now it comes with a promise. If we do that, he says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Either Paul's lying, either Scripture is not true, or we're just not practicing this well. I would encourage you, go with the latter. Let me help you why I chose the word amplitude. First of all, it starts with an A, so I had to do that. What is amplitude? Number one, reject. Reject anxious thoughts. You truly have to have that process. Now whether it's this individual I told you that she put a ban on her phone usage, if you have the capability to stop certain behaviors that are adding to your thinking that cause anxiety, do it. Do it. But reject the anxious thoughts when they come up and they start to overwhelm you by what? By remembering. Maybe that's the next point. Nope. It'll be there somewhere. Reach out to the one in the back of the boat. It's kind of remembering. Reject the anxious thoughts by reaching out to the one who's in the back of the boat. Right? There's your prayer and supplication. There's the remember. Remember the promise and be thankful how He answers. Look, if Rich tells me, hey, I'm going to come and I'm going to fix that that kiosk out there, and it's never going to fall apart again, and he told me that in 2017, and then we all walked up, and and these sheets of Formica or whatever it is that can slice our throats in the singles, you know, whatever, uh, and we've got a major safety hazard, am I going to ever put Rich in charge of anything again? This is meant to really encourage Rich. No, I'm not! Well, I might put Him in charge of something else, but I'm not going to put Him in charge of that. Many of us stumble at this issue. Because we look at the promise that the peace, if we make our request known to God with thanksgiving, we say, how come I don't have peace in my heart then? I will almost guarantee you, not knowing your mindset or your thinking, you are not rejecting anxious thoughts. And that was part of the process. You are not remembering who Jesus is and what He does. And you're not remembering the reality that there are still bad things that happen. The beauty and the power of who Jesus is and what He offers us is to be able to stand tall and rejoice even when things are difficult. Okay? Request help from Him for yourself and others. Especially others. And it will change your your joy coefficient. Amplitude. What on earth is amplitude? Let me help you out. Because of Jesus, I can always have peace in what? All circumstances. All circumstances. Remember, Paul says, and it's coming up, it'll be somewhere in the next few weeks, I've learned what it's like to live in all circumstances, whether in need or having everything. And then he says, I can do what? All things through Christ who strengthens me. So what is amplitude? That is an actual wave. That is a place in Portugal called Nazare. And that is a killer. That is not a weird photo. That is really the size of the person on that wave. Now, I spent a lot of years surfing. But I look more like this. (laughs) I'm laughing because... Anyway, okay. This part up here is how to understand what amplitude is, folks. Underneath this wave is the same depth of the wave. Get your horizon mark, right? This right here. This is your life. The amplitude of that wave, the height, the pinnacle of its height, has a reflection that's the same on the depth. That entire motion of a wave is just this concentric circle that's moving from deep in the ocean. And when there's more energy behind it, it gives a bigger wave. And I remember being out in big waves. And we would paddle out And the whole idea is you got to get out past the crash zone or it's going to hurt. (laughs) It's going to really hurt. But you would sit out there and it would actually inform you how to stay alive. By feeling. We would count from the moment we started to rise as the swell would go by us. We would start to count how long it took for us to go up as we're sitting on our board and then go down the other side. And that gave us some information on whether or not we wanted to hold off or where on the wave we needed to take off. There is a depth underneath the wave people never know about. There's a safety zone in our life that's unseen. Most of the time we just see this gigantic violent thing on the horizon that's going to crash and have We're anxious. What we don't see is the safety and security that's underneath. And see, when you're paddling out into waves and you end up into this, we'll just call it the anxious zone, where you're going to get hit by that white water over and over, you're never going to make it and you may possibly drown and die if you try to stay above the horizon. You have to dive deep. And when you dive deep, it's called duck dive, when you dive deep, you still feel the wave. But the damage of it goes right on by. Mm -hmm. And hopefully you can hold your breath long enough Mm -hmm. that you can let all that violence go past you and you sit in this area of peace. Mm -hmm. I can't explain it well, but there's a security in going into a place your mind tells you don't go. That will kill you. When in fact, if you don't go in there, there's a chance you may not survive. Brothers and sisters, this is the best way to wrap up today is to share with you, this is what it means to reach out to Jesus. There is so much in our lives that tell us we can do it. We can handle it. Or we should just shoulder the the spiritual sickness. Because reaching out to jesus is the unknown we're going to have to dive deep but if you've ever experienced that and you go through that you know that is where the security is that is where the security is i think i have one more verse ephesians 3 14 through 19 for this reason i bow my knees before the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named That according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be what? Strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, and the height, and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all all the fullness of God. That's amplitude. That's amplitude. Let me go ahead and finish in prayer this morning. Then we're going to have a quick meet and greet. And I'll, I'll explain what that means in just a minute. Um, but let's, let's go to prayer. Father, thank You for Your Word today. Let it speak mightily in our lives. Let us truly examine this promise that's given to us to spiritually heal us that we may walk in a spiritually healthy manner, that we may withstand the arrows of the enemy. Help us to dive deep with You. Thank You, Father, for this wisdom. Let us apply it. Let us live transformed and change lives because of Jesus today. To You be all glory. Amen.